Hey, this is Todd Stacy and Mary Sell, and welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. Uh, another exciting episode, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited to be doing this again. Me too. And I have to apologize to listeners for last week because we had an exciting uh, show lined up that we will certainly get back to. But I was the one that fell ill and couldn't really get to that. But we'll have that lined up for another another week's edition. But this week. We're excited to have another interesting and influential guest. And Mary, I'll let you introduce him. Yeah. If this journalism thing doesn't work out for me, I'm going to be a talent booker because I am, I'm getting really good at this. <laughs> we have with us uh, Representative Matt Simpson from Daphne. Thank you so much for joining us today, Representative. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm an avid listener to your podcast and excited about the opportunity. Mary, when you reached out, this is this is one of those podcasts I'm excited about getting the invite for. So thank <laughs> All you. All right. That's, we, that's nice to hear. hear it. Yeah. So we've talked previously about how it's been a pretty busy summer in Montgomery. And special session aside, you've been in Montgomery several times in the last couple of months for various meetings. And one of those um, is for some for for your ethics committee. You are chairman of the House Ethics Committee and apparently decided you didn't have enough to do. You want to uh, crack open the ethics laws and see what can be improved? Talk talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think I'm just a glutton for punishment. Um, it's one of those things of uh, if somebody tells you not to do it, don't go touch the stove. I'm going to go touch the stove just to prove a point. Um no, I've had many friends and people with wise counsel to tell me that this is an uphill battle and, and ethics fights in Alabama have a, a long and, and voluminous history of how they go and, and kind of to avoid the fright fight. But that's um, that's just not my nature. Uh, I think it's one of those things of everybody recognizes there's a problem. You know, no matter who you talk to about it, no matter the reports that you, you know, we had that commission report from 2019 or you get or, you know, opinions from the court or anybody that you talk to, they recognize there's a problem with the ethics laws in Alabama. And so, you know, when I ran for office, when I got involved here, I, d I didn't run to to run away from problems and I didn't get it. I'm not I'm not holding office just so that way I can make sure I'm elected again next time. I, I want to do what I can while I am while I'm in this office to try to make a difference to the best I can to make the state of Alabama better. Um, we've got some wonderful people on this community on this committee. Uh, you know, Vice Chair Cynthia Allman, you know, we've got some very, very knowledgeable people that come from multiple backgrounds of state and local and city and county government to try to talk about the ethics laws as they are. You know, many people don't know that the ethics laws in Alabama currently cover directly over 300,000 people. And by the time you talk about their families and, and the indirect contacts that come through that, that's over a million people that fall under the ethics laws in Alabama. So if there's a problem that a million people in Alabama have to deal with, let's not worry about whether it's going to be hard. Let's not, we don't do what we do because it's hard. We do what we do because it's supposed to be the right thing to do. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to do is, is focus on this. It's been a goal of mine for a while. Um, I've talked with um, the speaker about it when I was, when I was, we talked about this committee and what I was going to do. Um, you know, this this goes back a, a ways to get into, and I don't want to run off on a tangent here, but I'll tell you guys the story of how I got in this. 
when we came up for orientation, so I got elected in November of 2018. We came up for orientation in November of 2018. We had that, you know, sit down of, hey, this is where you're off. You know, this is what this is what we do. We had a session on ethics and we had three attorneys that were there. The panel were three attorneys and they talked to the legislators. It was new, new members and old members. Everybody was there and they just kind of say, this is kind of the law on ethics or this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. And a, a member would ask a question. I remember there were probably five or six questions that were asked. And of those five or six questions, every single one, that three attorney panel had a different opinion, a different answer for that, for that question. <laughs> so somebody would say, yes, you can do that. Somebody would say, no, you can't do that. And somebody would say, well, it would depend. And they weren't always the same attorney giving the same answers. One attorney would say, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do the other. And then, I mean, it'd rotate. So there was no clarity from them. And because of that, I asked to be on the ethics committee because I said, look, we've got to we've got to address these problems. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I do think it's right for revision. Um, we can get into some of the specifics in a minute because that this issue sort of consumed my life for a short time back in 2010. Um, but don't you, you brought up the panel in 2019 a panel commission, whatever it was, you know, um, with different sort of, I don't know, interested parties. It was lawmakers. It was attorneys. Lobbyists. Yeah. To to make some suggestions, and and that came out. Yeah, 2019. It was a so big report. And then my, I don't know. My recollection from those meetings, which I mean, they were long meetings. It was a long report. I don't even nothing really came of it. Um, my recollection of the biggest takeaway was that even with all the incredibly smart people in that room, all well-intentioned, I'm sure, all had lots of different experience with various parts of the ethics code. There, the agreement, the takeaway was, this is almost impossible. This is, it's, it's, it's really hard to go and um, fix this to everybody's um, satisfaction, right? If, if you, if you satisfy this part, then this, part is not satisfied, right? If these people are happy with it, then these people aren't happy with it. So th- just that with being sort of the background and, and where the, the levels are set. Once we started reporting on this and you started engaging on this, what has been the feedback to you personally from colleagues, lawmakers, um, maybe even the upper chamber, um, lobbyists, those who really, really care about this issue, and just it, maybe in general, what have people come to you and said, be it advice, cautionary tales, what have you? I think a lot of people, the, the overwhelming majority of people that have come and said, hey, this is important. This is something we really do need to address. And how can I help and how can we be involved? Um, you know, this is going to be a, a team effort. This is going to be something from both chambers, the House and the Senate. It's going to be something where we have to take 140 different opinions on on what they think it should be because you, you know we have to consider everyone involved in this and it, it it can get derailed very very easily as you've talked about in 2019 how it got derailed from there um you know there's been a lot of cautionary tales of be careful about this and watch this and be careful for for what's going on but but we have a number of people that were still serving 
uh, you know, from 2019 that were involved in, in some of the crafting of some of the, some of the legislation that came through. Uh, I know Senator Albritton uh, from down this way filed an ethics bill in 2019 um, that was kind of uh, had this this report in mind on some of the stuff that they've done. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, hey, let's get this and let's take it up together. I think a lot of people and, and Todd, I know you were there. Remember that at the, at, at the conference last year, at the conference we had down here in Point Clear, when you had Speaker Mac McCutcheon and you had Senate Pro Tem Del Marsh, and they were asked about their time serving in the legislature and, and what they've done. And both of them, both men said their biggest regret was not taking on this ethics challenge. And so I think the members of the body understand that this is a <laughs> This is a very, very uh, weird topic. It's a very, very confusing topic, but it's a topic that we, we really do need to take up. Uh-huh. Representative, I know you're, you're only you know one meeting in into this process. Can you give us a few examples that as you look at the, the various laws, some some things that you would like to, to clean up uh, sooner rather than later? Yeah, I, I think we have to you know kind of look at this from a big picture aspect of things. I think there's a lot of laws that are intended for legislators or intended for people that may vote or that may have a decision-making authority on certain issues that are being, you know, when you paint with such a broad brush that they affect the common everyday person. One of the best stories that I've heard, and I, I can't tell you the names, but you had a guy who was a city employee who was in the maintenance department of a city employee. And what he did was he, he cut the grass. Well, he bought a new lawnmower for his home, bought a, a new lawnmower, his own private property, bought a new lawnmower. And he donated his old lawnmower to the city to help the city be able to, you know, just he just made a donation to kind of say, hey, we could use this. Well, let's just make the donation over. Well, as he after he made that donation, his new lawnmower went out. So then he went to borrow the old lawnmower that he had donated. And now because it was donated and because city property, he then used city property for his own personal use. So that's technically an ethics violation. That, that's not what this, that's not what this code should be about. Like, that's not what we're here for. We're not here to make sure that teachers can't get more than $25. We're not, that's not what the intention of the law should be. The intention of the law is to make sure that people aren't, you know, they're not voting. They're not doing things wrong. They're not making a, a quid pro quo. They're not getting a personal gain for some of this stuff. I think we have to make sure that we differentiate between who is a public employee versus who is a public official. And we have to make that delineation a little bit clearer in the aspect of the law. I think there's a lot of these laws that go, you know, I'd love to see a kind of a separation of what's a civil violation versus what's a criminal violation, because if somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do and then should that be a fine, you know, if it's a fine, it should be handled a certain way versus if it's a criminal prosecution, let's let the people involved in the criminal prosecution go through. Mm-hmm. My, go ahead. I, I'll talk too long. If I, if I can go off. Well, I want to get started. to, I want to get to some of those specifics and I'm going back really to 2010 in this, mm-hmm. um, that special session, because and this goes one of the biggest, well, I gotta say the biggest, bugaboo even today is the definition of principle right mm-hmm. um who is a principle meaning you know who is basically governed 
or, or prohibited from certain activities by the ethics code. Um, and, and the whole, just to explain it just a little bit for anybody that doesn't know, you know, that could be, you don't have to be a lobbyist to be a principal. You could be the CEO of a company. Um, you could be, there was a big question about whether board members of companies or, or even foundations could be defined as a principal and all this. Um, so that's still to this day, one of the biggest issues, and I'm sure y'all are going to deal with this, but I'm, my question is a little more specific because going back to 2010, that original bill from Brian Taylor talked to really kind of did make that differentiation between lobbyist or, or having a separate class as a prohibited source, quote unquote, prohibited source, you know, meaning you have a lobbyist, you have a principal, you also have a prohibited source carefully defined so that it doesn't mess up into principle. That all got changed in committee. And so that principal source language came out um, and all of it got lumped into principle. And, th and now that's what we nobody can figure out. And it's still just a, a, a pain in the neck. My question is understanding that the, that, that, that is one of the biggest hiccups in the ethics code. Do you think going back to that sort of, three-tiered definition of prohibited source to sort of take a, you know, leave principle as it always was in federal and state law and, and, you know, create a separate class of the, the gray area between lobbyists and non-lobbyists that still should be governed by the ethics code, even if they don't spend more than a hundred dollars on lobbying, <laughs> which I, I know that's a very complicated question, but you are a very smart and, and, and detailed representative, so I no doubt you can handle it. Look, the, the podcast is called In the Reeds, In the Weeds for a Reason, right? That's right. That's Let's right. get in the weeds, man. Let's talk about it. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think, and I'm going to be vague, and then I'm going to come back to the narrowness of it, if you give me a second here. In general, most of these laws are extremely vague. They are, there's a lot of gray area. There's not clearly defined lines. There's not clear definition of, okay, this is what this is versus what this is. And, and that's the problem with them in general. Uh, I think most people do want to follow the law and they will abide by the law. Um, and, and we just want to make sure that the law is black and white. So it's easy for them to follow. Now, those that do cross the line and do violate the law, we want to make sure that they, hey, hey, they have an opportunity to get punished. But to narrow it down from there, you're, 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 you've got a specific example of the vagueness and how the vagueness of the current laws changed by so much. If you take one of those phrases out, like you talk about changing from principle to, I think the, the original, um, uh, what the original language that you talked about was in the original bill of 2010, you know, you talk about how taking one word out and goes through this confuses everyone and it makes more gray area and it makes it more difficult to prosecute. It makes it more difficult for the person, the, the general public to understand. I think that we have a ways to go to air out all of those issues that you're talking about. That specific issue on principle definition is going to be something that we have to address. Um, Todd, I don't have, I, I don't have the final answer right now to tell you that. I think that <laughs> through this process, is what we're going to do. And that's one thing that I've tried to do it a little differently this way. Um, we're, we're doing this openly. We're doing this in the public. 
This isn't going to be one of those, well, we, we're going to air everything out publicly, but I've got something in my back pocket that I'm going to tell you that, okay, after all the hearings, after all the meetings, after all the discussions, oh, well, we're just going to go back to this one we had in my back pocket anyway. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, not this, that's not this situation. So we're going to have people come in and talk to the committee to talk about, you know, we've had LSA and, and, and Jimmy Inchkin with LSA has been wonderful to kind of give the members the question that they have, any questions that they have through this. We're going to discuss principles. We're going to discuss these issues. Who do we want this to apply to? Who do we want this to be board members? Do we want this to be CEOs? Do we want this to be lobbyists? How do we go through that? And I think, I think as a consensus, we can get there, but in order to do it the best way we in my opinion, the best way to do it is through the transparency process of let everybody's voice be heard. Let every member of the committee be heard. Let people that aren't on the committee, if they have questions to come and get involved, you know, this is just a house committee. It's not a joint committee. So if senators want to get involved and have input, I've had a number of them reach out to me and say, Hey, I want to talk about this or let's talk about it. I think we're still in the developing phase of where we're headed. I am very optimistic that we have the opportunity to get to the final answer prior to the January, February, you know, we go in in February, I'd love to have something filed in, in January. So that way we can air it out and let the public look at it and let it see what's been done. Hmm. One of the other things that I want to do that that's important to me on this bill is I want us to address it in this 2024 session, but I am going to any bill that I file will not go into effect until the end of the session in 2025. The reason why I want to do that is because I want us to pass the legislation. And then I don't want us to, to pass it and then read it and find out what's in it. But I want to give the general public, I want to give the attorneys, I want to give the people that are much smarter than me an opportunity to make sure, hey, y'all messed this up or y'all didn't consider this or you didn't, you didn't think about this and this is how it's going to apply. So that way we have the 2025 session to fix any errors that we went through. Now you compare this to 2010, Todd, and I know you were there and around and saw everything that was done. You know, you had Governor Riley who when you're trying to get the, the legislature before before he left office in January, they tried to do some of this stuff through. I think time is going to be important. And I think, you know, giving more people the opportunity to be involved, giving the public the opportunity to hear what's being said and giving this the opportunity to be vetted. I think that's a huge difference this time. Hmm. Yeah. And it, it, you're right. It, it was a, um, you know, strike while the iron is hot after that 2010 election. So much of that 2010 election from the state level, of course, on the national level, you had the Tea Party, you had a backlash to Obamacare and stuff like that. But the state level, a lot of state legislative campaigns did focus on ethics, right? You had, it, you had it was, such a... It was the handshake with Alabama. That was one of right. the five fingers of the handshake with Alabama. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so so there was this bit of an outcry. Yes. I mean, there had been such a you know, horrible stretch of ethical abuses. Um, and so anytime somebody goes to talk about ethics reform, including your, your colleague, Mr. Albritton, <laughs> you know, because, because those, those reforms in 2010 were passed for a reason to crack down on some of the, some of the really uh, you know, abuses that were going on. Um, some of the, you know, un, I mean, unethical. It's really un inappropriate activities from lobbyists and, and absolutely. That sort of thing. So, anytime somebody goes to crack it open, you do hear from folks, especially in the media, who say, "Oh, they're going to go weaken it. They're going to go and you know roll it back, and and it's going to be the old Montgomery again." Which I know is not your intention, 
But yeah. how do you keep, how do you fight back against that narrative? Should it, should it crop up? Um, I mean, I think you just answered part of it and being transparent and, and open about it is really important, but should that narrative start cropping up, you get those accusations of, Oh, look at them. They're going and doing it. How do you, you and how do you train your other members to fight back against that narrative so they don't get cold feet? Um, you know, well, first thing I'll tell you is, uh, Todd, I'm a prosecutor. <laughs> I've prosecuted ethics violations. I prosecuted them. I, I, you know, I had cases prior to the 2010 uh, election change where I prosecuted some ethics violations that were substantial down here. Uh, I'm not looking on trying to give people, uh, you know, the it's not a softening to the extent of we're not going to punish the people that violate the laws. Uh, that, you know, that's not my goal. That's not my anticipation. What I anticipate doing is, is let's call these, you know, these laws right now as they are, are landmines. And I think most people do want to avoid the landmines. I want to make sure to help the people avoid the landmines that do want to avoid the landmines. Point them out. Don't, don't have this gray area where everything's up for interpretation. Mm. I want there to be consistency to where a prosecutor in uh, Huntsville could have the same opinion as the prosecutor in, in Mobile or Baldwin County. I, I don't, as a prosecutor, one of the worst things you can have is prosecutorial discretion because you want it to be a blanket throughout the board. You know, the more gray area, that means the more that it's left up to interpretation of whether, well, does this person think that's a violation and the other person doesn't, that's not healthy for anyone. But if you have black and white laws to say, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. If you cross the line and you do what you can't do, these laws are still going to go after you. We're not trying to make it easier to go after you. But I think when we're not trying to make it harder to go after the person, but I think you have to have a consideration of selective enforcement when it, well, it's close enough or some people decide it is against the law. Well, then people are going to continue to run and tread in that gray area. And they're going to continue to figure out where the, if they don't know where the lines are, it, it, it's going to cause problems for everyone. And you've seen, you know, we've seen the court's opinion on, on some of the stuff on the definitions and making sure that yeah. the definitions are not clear. You know, we, we, we've got, and I don't want to give away a secret of what we're going to talk about at our next meeting. We're coming up in two weeks, but yeah, we're going to look at some of these court opinions and say, well, heck I'm, I'm talking about transparency. So it's not a secret. I'll tell you, <laughs> we're going to talk about mm -hmm. what the courts have said and some of the decisions from the Supreme court, from the court of criminal appeals, and where they're telling us these are problems, these are issues that you guys need to look into and let's look into it and address it. And it's yeah. not, it, you know, my, one of my favorite phrases, Todd, and, and I'll tell you from, there's a prosecutor down here, a former DA in Baldwin County named Dave Whetstone. And he had a four word phrase that kind of kept everything that I kind of keep as a motto to this day is just keep your motives pure. Like that's all I'm trying to do is just keep our motives pure on what we're trying to do. There's no trying to reach a certain, a singular outcome as far as keeping, you know, dirty handed, trying to want to be, people want a free lunch or any of this stuff. I think there's just a lot of discussions that need to be had. And if we come in and we say, this is why we're trying to do it because we need to address these problems because the courts have said these problems, because this commission that was created addressed and said, these are problems. Let's just not duck our head in the sand and say, I don't want to address these problems because somebody's going to write a bad article about me or somebody's going to say tough things. You know, I'm not afraid of the bullets. I'm not afraid of the arrows. I know why I'm doing this. Um, I feel like I have the background to express to members, to members of the House, and members of the Senate, to let them know that this is not one of those get out of jail free cards. This is not a, 
lenience of crime situation. This is a one of let's make clarity. I, I mm. think the, the the rules are confusing, they're convoluted, and they're just they're they're over and over mentioned in that commission report and in the court in the opinions from the court how vague and confusing they are. Let's just take the confusingness out of it. I think if you take that out, you make clear, defined lines of black and white. Then when you're in front of a jury, if you're a prosecutor in front of a jury, it's clear. There's no determinate. Well, what does this phrase mean? Or what is a principle? What is this? No, it says you can't do this. They did this. Let's get them. That's a, that's a different. I, I think an overwhelming majority of the people that I serve with and, and members of the legislature, they don't want to commit an ethics violation. They're, they're not they're not there to benefit themselves or benefit. They're there to benefit their group and to benefit their district and serve the people of Alabama. But, you know, unfortunately, Todd, I'm an attorney. I still to this day have to keep I keep the Ethics Commission almost on speed dial. Anytime I have a question on some of this stuff, because I don't understand what we can and can't do when, mm. you, have, when you have three attorneys at the panel that I was talking about for orientation and they don't know what you can and can't do. Yeah. I mean, these landmines are out there. How can we not just pick up the mantle and say, yes, this is a sticky subject. People don't like it. You're going to get bad articles written about you. But at the end of the day, there's a million Alabamians that fall under this topic and somebody has to pick up the mantle and say, let's go with it and see what we can do. Nice. Yeah. I had to call them ahead of our um, legislative breakfast we did uh before last session just to make sure can i buy breakfast for everybody i'm not lobbying i'm just reporting on them representative but, uh, anyway I'll, I'll shut up and let mary uh continue the conversation <laughs> you uh, one more question on this and then we can move on but representative you you mentioned that the majority of your associates were seemed supportive of, of your efforts and i know speaker led better he has been in the public talking about the the need for this but backdoor conversations have you have folks come to you and been like, dude, what are you doing? Knock it off. <laughs> no, I haven't had I haven't had a single one reach out to me and tell me that. I have not. I've had a number that have reached out and say, This is serious. Let's do this. Let's take this up. What can I do to help? I'm not on your committee. I'm not I'm a senator. I'm not in the house. What can we do to, to help? What can we do to come together to work to address this issue? And uh, I mean, every person that's reached out has been positive about this is something that really, really needs to be done. I can't talk to you about Speaker Ledbetter enough about how you know he understands how important this issue is and what we've needed. He's asked over and over, what can we do? Is there anything you need help with? Is there anything you need? You know, our legislative services agencies are, you know, you they have some of the smartest minds in the state of Alabama, and I'm using them constantly to talk about this. But it's also one of the things of there's been a number of bills filed since 2010 to address to kind of address some of these topics. Senator Marsh filed a bill, like I mentioned, Senator Albritton's bill. I know Mike Ball was a champion for ethics reform. He's filed multiple bills through this process. I think a lot of work has gone in through some of these prior bills that have been filed. And so, again, in the meaning of transparency, this meeting that we're going to have in September, we're going to talk about what the courts have said being the problems with the ethics laws. And then when we meet in October, we're going to review some of the bills that have been filed to kind of address and see what those topics were and figure out what were the pitfalls, what what worked, why did we put this here, what didn't work, what, where were they attacked on these issues? You know, I think the more information that we have that we can look back and Todd, you, you talk about nationwide and you talk about you know, there's 50 uh, there's 50 states 
And then you've got next, we're not reinventing the wheel on ethics. There's prior legislation that's been filed. I'm not one of those that's going to run around and say, aha, I have the silver bullet. This is the blueprint. This is what we're going to do. No, I'm going to look at what's been done in the past, what's been done in other states, what's been done nationwide, because other other people are dealing with this issue or have dealt with this issue, have looked into this issue, look into 2019, some of those bills or, or Mike Ball, his bills that he had, you know, let's look and see what they've done and pick apart. What do you like? Do you like this? Do you not like this? And come together and put something and use those hours that have been spent. You know, we talk about this commission that was made in 2019. Unfortunately, COVID hit in 2020. So yeah, we didn't really get to do a lot of the stuff that they wanted to do. I think COVID put a pause on that and put it on the back burner for a little bit. But now we have the opportunity. We have, I think the temperature is right. I really do feel the atmosphere in the body for the House and the Senate is this is a significant problem. We've addressed significant problems. We have, we have a reputation now for at least for the five years I've been there. Of, we see a problem. Let's go address the problem. Let's not continue to kick the can down the road. Interesting. Well, thank you for getting in the weeds on that. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about, here's something I've never said a lot until recently. Let's talk about sunset. <laughs> 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 the, the sunset committee. I, we have written more about sunset in the last year than I've written in the last, the previous 12 combined. Um, Sunset has gotten interesting. And just for those who don't know, the Sunset Committee is the, the group of lawmakers that reauthorizes every couple of years all of those boards that license different professions around the state, from cosmetologists to electricians to counselors. There are dozens and dozens of them, um, and they cover thousands of employees. And those meetings have changed a little bit recently, correct? Yeah, there's a different attitude. There's a little bit of different environment uh, on this going on right now. And, and I think that's good. I think it's healthy. Um, I think that these committees are not supposed to be rubber stamp. This committee especially is not should not be a rubber stamp of just, oh, well, you guys have done, you know, we, we're going to do continue to do the way things we've always been done. No, we're going to look into the application of the law to make sure the laws are followed, to make sure these groups are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's not on it's not on the boards themselves. And that's one thing that we're trying to, to clarify. Like these boards deal with people's livelihood. So if you want to be an electrical contractor, you have to pay a fee. You know, this is your licensing fee that they have to go through. You know, it's there's hundreds of boards that we deal with. So it's not just that specific board. That was that was the one that cost the most attention this past two months ago. And, and we right. can talk about that if you want. But <laughs> well, yeah, I, you, I did catch that meeting. And um, that was the first time I was like, oh, wow, this is Prosecutor Simpson here. OK, you you are asking you're asking them across. You're asking across the board, the boards, because their revenue comes from fees. That's that's working people. That um, you're asking them how much of their revenue is spent on administrative costs. Exactly. The, exactly. And, and I'll, I'll I'll highlight specifically the electrical contractors board because we went deep in in the. I love the this weeds. podcast because it's in the weeds. <laughs> I love it. This is. I hope I'm not boring your listeners to death. Um, but no, the electrical contractors specifically, they were charging for a provisional fee uh, for uh, a license, a provisional license to get through that they did not have the statutory authority to charge for. 
Now they had tried multiple years to change the law. The sunset committee in the past had told them, this is, I understand you're trying to change the law, but it's not the law. You cannot charge this fee. And they still continued to charge that fee. Well, the problem is statutory authority. You do not have the authority to charge that fee. So you're taking money out of people's pockets, out of the workers' pockets, out of those people that have no choice. If they want to continue that line of profession or that job, they have to pay you these, these fees. You're charging them additional fees that you don't have the authority to pay. And you're taking that money and 67, 70, 80% of that money goes to running the, the, the cost of the administrative cost of what you have to have on. I want to say that the, uh, I want to say that the administrative, the executive director made $420,000 that of, of the fees coming to him, which is $35,000 a month, which is a substantial amount of money. You have the attorney that was making about $110,000 a year. Hmm. So you add that together and you're talking about $530,000. Well, they only make $880,000 a year from the fees that come in. So if you're spending 60%, 70% of the money, what are they getting for it? Because if these are the rules, the rules tell you what you can and can't do. And the administrative, the executive director is not following the rules that you can and can't do. What are they paying for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a fair question to ask. I think, I think that's what this committee is there for. It's, it's not us picking on an executive director or picking on one of these boards or anything like that. It's literally just making sure that the person, the individual who has to pay that license, that person who has no choice, but if they want to feed their family at the end of the day, they have to pay this license so that they're not operating without a license. We want to make sure that their money is being spent in a manner that it should be spent, in a manner to continue for the good of the board or for the good of that occupation, not to just put more money into people's pockets, not so that one person can have 20 boards when they're making 35 grand a month on one board. You know, that's that that it's taxes it it really is it's not governmental it's not state taxes it's these licenses and occupation taxes that's taxing the individual and if you're cha- taxing more than you should that our responsibility is to look out for the little guy and say no you cannot take money out of this guy's per- pocket just to put it into your own yeah this this is uh kind of got onto our radar uh back in 2020 that's 3 years ago and this what we wrote a piece for Inside Alabama Politics because, you know, you know, Keith Warren, who's who's Warren Company, uh, whatever, has I mean, you're he's the one you're talking about, right? He manages like 20 or 30 different boards. Like 16, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, well, OK, 16. I'll, I'll, I'll trust it's, Mary's reporting. About well, and it's grown. Him. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's grown a niche. Um, but I mean, so he's he's the big player here, and he mm-hmm. he's got a, a bunch of staff and everything, and that's what they do is they manage these boards, and okay, that's fine. But the the reason it became an issue is um, Claire Austin, of another lobbyist, decided to try to get in the game, right, and say, well, I want to try to go manage some boards as well, and there was this lawsuit um, between them about sort of who can who can be in this space, which really just speaks to the lucrative nature of it. Right. I mean, and not to cast aspersions on Keith Warren or Claire Austin, but they wouldn't be doing it if there if, it, if there wasn't money in it. Right. Which is, look, every we have a profit motive here at Alabama Daily News. It's profit motives are fine. But they but when it comes to, like you said, occupations where, you know, it's all about fees and everything. 
there should be more than just a profit motive. You should be getting something out of it. I think you're right. It is important. But let me add a little bit on top of that, because we are going to see some, obviously, as you said, reforms, you know, little little things. We, we don't know. We don't know what's, what quite we're going to see. Might we see some occupational licensing reforms that you've seen in other states like Arizona, where the state cuts back on, you know, some occupations needing licenses to begin with, right? Because it's because sometimes it can be a barrier of entry into the workforce um, for occupations and for people who, frankly, need jobs. I, I mean, I agree with you completely, Todd. I, I am, you know, I'm one of those small government guys. These barriers of having to come up with, you know, before you want to, before you want to become and. Again, I'm not picking on Mr. Warren. This has I'm not this has nothing to do with with the Warren versus versus Claire Austin deal. But but Keith Warren outside his his company is he is the he manages the executive director for the boards of dry cleaning, environmental response, electrical contractors, massage therapy, security regulatory, auctioneers, sickle cell regulatory commission, podiatry, professional geologists, landscape architects, genetic counseling, interpreters and translators, marriage and family therapy, professional bail bonds, examiners and counseling, and athletic trainers. That's quite a lot of expertise. Now, now that's great. I'm not here for anybody to make a profit. I'm not worried about that. But if you're just milking the system and you have the same employees doing the same thing repeatedly, and just one of those boards pays you $35,000 a month, you know, I think he's making like 1.8 million a year off these boards on some of the stuff from the files that we've been able to uncover. I'm not against somebody making a profit, but if you're making a profit, don't come to the sunset committee where you haven't followed the laws where the sunset committee has told you for at least eight years have said, Hey, you can't charge this fee. Stop charging this fee. And then you continue to charge that fee. Don't come to a committee that says, well, we didn't know we had to follow the, the open meetings act, or we didn't know we had to publicize this meeting or when this board met. No, if you're going to use professional services in that manner and charge those fees, you better have your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. And this is not just going to be one of those, well, I know somebody or I'm friends with somebody. No, this is going to be one of those, hey, if you're taking money away from people, if you're requiring that barrier to be there, I'd prefer less government. I don't like all these licenses fees to come through. I want people to be able to start a business, to start a career path, to start something that they go through without having to jump through and make this immediate purchase. A lot of times people don't have the $250 license fees for certain things that they, you know, and that's a barrier for stopping people to work. We want to help more people work. Now, I understand you need to regulate it and all this, but to charge those amount of fees and then to continue to have the same issues come up repeatedly about yeah. not following the laws. That's really what this is about. And that's the heart of it that I, that I, my involvement. Now I know there's some other people that have some legislation. I believe Senator Elliott has some legislation he filed last year. And I believe that he's probably going to bring that back this year to try to address some of these issues about the licensing fees yeah, and how much we're, well. how much he's, how much the general public has to pay these lack of, they're not, there's no other word for them, but taxes, how much they have to pay taxes that are going into somebody else's pocket. And if you're going to put somebody's taxes into your pocket, be careful because the legislature is going to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. We want to make sure that the people are treated right. Well, there you go. 
So yeah, the the sunset committees they're definitely they're they're on my calendar now. They are they are <laughs> must watch uh, events these days, and it's just interesting because you get to hear so much more about like how these organizations work and like the, just the regulations and and the the fees on. I mean, you just learn a lot about how much it takes to to do some jobs in in Alabama. You know, I try not to go prosecutor mode. I wish it, it's one of those things. I've got, Too I've got some, some of my best friends in the house will look over and they could say, I'm watching as bills start going through and we're talking about them on the floor and they just start seeing it. Right. You know, everybody talks about these Marvel characters and everybody wants to be as smart as Iron Man and as, you know, as, as, as strong, you know, as, as involved as Captain America with leadership and all that stuff. I wish I could tell you I didn't have Hulk tendencies in me, but sometimes that stuff just comes out and it's the prosecutor in me, man. It's, it's, it's part, it's in my blood. There's there's when you see somebody being wronged or when you see something that's really, this is not right. I get passionate about. Okay. Well, I, I told you that we would talk for 20 minutes and we have blown through that, but I, I wanted <laughs> we, we, uh, I do want to ask you about one other topic before we let you go. Um, we had a story this week about some proposed federal regulations on the, on the Gulf um, include um, that have to do with, with oil leases, but, but also with um ship traffic and putting some restrictions on on them. And I, I wish I had the article in front of me right now, but it has to do with protecting a certain species of, of whale. Um, rice is whale. The rice right? is whale, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we love whales. Um, and, but there are some... I'm, I have been told that that S is important, that you can't oh. just call it, it's not a rice whale. It's a rice, rice is. is? Okay. Oh, that's right. Because I, because I incorrectly edited it. As, uh, as like rice whale, because I just thought, but then I, when I Googled, it was like, nope, that's, it's, that's rice's. It's with an apostrophe. Yeah. Correct. Okay. It's, yeah. A, it, it's, so, it's a thing. And well, and it's a thing that apparently could greatly impact the port of Mobile, um, these the shipping uh, restrictions. Uh, the the port authority has said that it, it would really slow down traffic, slow down commerce there. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement and your concern uh, about those conversations? Absolutely. And it the port is just a portion of it. I will tell you, it's a large portion. You know, down here, the port has an $85 billion economic impact on our state. So when somebody says that they're talking about changing it to where the maximum speed is 10 knots, the speed limit is 10 knots, and that you have to shut down nighttime traffic, you're talking about shutting down almost the port of Alabama, the, the, how long it would take to, to have those tankers come in and wait and have to, to go 10 knots. And it's just absolutely absurd for as, as wide as they want to go through. So you have to consider the impact and the significant economic damage that would be caused by these extremely disruptive practices of, of what this petition would try to do. Now, NOAA has received the petition. You know, I think it's regulatory overreach extremely because they're talking about all of this, you know, hey, let's just cut this down. And it goes not only to the port, Mary and Todd, and this is important for everybody to understand. It's not just cutting down the port, which again, that $85 billion economic impact, 300,000 related jobs. But it also goes into the drilling aspect, to the offshore safety. They don't really want to cut down on the offshore dr drilling. Um, that's huge for our, our you know, <laughs> that oil and gas, that Go Mesa project, that's huge for down here. That's huge for our state. That's huge for our country. 
the effect you start talking about drilling offshore because you want to save this rice as well. And I live in Baldwin County and Todd, I know everybody comes, everybody loves coming down to Baldwin County. A lot of people that live here and a lot of people that come down here use the, use our waters for fishing, for taking the boat out, the tourism aspect of this. If you cut this down and we're, you know, we're talking about going 10 knots and are we talking about trying to make the Gulf of the, you know, you're talking about making orange beach and Gulf shores and all the way out to the, to the, you know, the Gulf of Mexico being a no wake zone. Uh, how people aren't going to come down here and spend money. They're not going to try to take their boat out. If you can't put it on, you've got swimmers running past you, you just speeding past you. You can't, you can't, you know, a lot of people like to ski. You can't water ski on some, you're talking about a no wake zone, which would destroy the economy in Baldwin County. So when you put the three together, you put the port impact of that, you put the, the tourism impact on how it affects just Alabama. But then you throw the energy independence where you talk about cutting more drilling. You talk about the military preparedness because it affect, it would affect our naval and air training facilities down here in Pensacola that have a lot of this stuff to come through. This is not safe for our country. I'm not, please understand, I'm not saying I wish there were no white rice as well. Nobody wants to see the rice as well hurt. But we really have to consider the impact of the decisions coming from the federal government of what this could potentially do to destroy the economy in South Alabama. Hmm. Yep. That's a pretty slow um, drive back in from snapper fishing to knots. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and it's not just around certain areas. I mean, it's, it's pretty extensive out there. I want to say uh, my indications are it's about a 28,000 square mile critical habitat, which yeah. is goodness gracious. You're, so this will, this will obviously be a fight in Congress. I mean, what the last comparable regulation i can remember was um red snapper i guess yeah mm -hmm. and um that was a fight that ended up really um as a senator shelby thing <laughs> you know at the at the very end i guess you know, i gotta give credit to bradley byrne too he was involved in that he was and, and and i want to give credit to i want to give credit to senator Britt and her staff they've been on top of this issue I, I even talked to them this morning about some of this stuff with the issue representative carl has been a, a, a stalwart on the forefront of these lines to argue about what we have here senator tuberville i feel like our federal delegation gets it and they understand and we've seen what happened when they get it and they understand and and they're willing to fight for what we need down here we've seen how that changed snapper season I've, i feel confident in both of their and and all three of well, i say all three our federal delegation and understanding how important this is for our state so i'm 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 a big fan of senator Britt, and, and i'm i'm you know her role on the appropriations committee i feel like she's got some some opportunities there to help us out and I think she's, I know she's a certainly aware of this topic and well-versed on this topic. Yep. Yep. She's heard about it before. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she was probably the one we were talking to last time <laughs> and that'll only grow. Well, look, we've taken a lot of your time, Mr. Chairman. Um, hey thanks guys, so much for coming on. I apologize for the 20 minutes that I can run and talk for an hour now on the 20 minutes. I apologize to your listeners for running too long on this, but you get me wound up on topics and I just get going. No, no it's good stuff. When, we appreciate when, it. When, when I have you on Capital Journal, I'll put a tighter time constraint <laughs> on you. Okay. Hey, it's called in the weed for a reason, right? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, take care. Thank Thanks, you, sir. guys. All right. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. He, 
hit a lot of good really stuff. Weedy. I, <laughs> that was weedy. I and I learned something about the rice as well, and not just their name. But yeah, I did not realize how uh, how extensive the the impact of those regulations could be. Yeah, and sometimes I mean, with these federal regulations, an agency will will ask and advertise a lot more than they actually want or think they can get. Yeah, um, just to sort of put it out there. So who knows? But yeah. something like this, I mean. That you know, it, the 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 Gulf delegation can when they're when they're paddling together, when they're rowing together, they can be pretty powerful. So, I, I, if if they're all against this, then and and that because that could include Texas. I mean, um, sure, you know, it's but it's very interesting. I, I was I was fascinated by a conversation on ethics. Yeah, um, you know, again, there, there's probably not a more weedy topic than that. And um, he seems up to the task. He seems like he's excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, um, I mean, he knows his stuff. He, he, like I said, former prosecutor, he's, he's dealt with both, both sides of this issue. So as much, it is such a weedy issue, but I think he, he knows just as much as anybody possibly can at this point. Yeah. And I do, you know, I do think a lot of it, it comes down to setting definitions. Mm-hmm. You know, the definition of principle is just so, I don't know, it, it, it is, um, it's so broad. And so, you know, he's talking about it being a prosecutor. Well, that means a prosecutor can go and um, really stretch the law, maybe, maybe the intent of the law. And that's, that's not okay, you know, and then, but, and, and because that's the case, People that should really never be regulated by the the ethics code, you know, if you're like on the board of a foundation, you know, is, and sh- should your kids be able to do certain things? I mean, that's how that's how far this thing can stretch, you know, if people want it to. And so all those type folks ended up getting, you know, lawyering up and having going through trainings and figuring out what they can and can't do. It needs to be clear, and I think a lot of it lies in the definitions and clearing that up. And maybe there needs to be a, you know, a different class added to it. Like was originally proposed um, back in 2010. Um, But yeah, he's, he and those committee members are going to hear from a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, including a lot of naysayers. Um, So it'll be fun to watch. I'm glad we're on the forefront of it. uh, Reporting wise. Yeah. Those upcoming meetings will be good. It's a good conversation. Yep. All right, Mary, thanks again for a great, for a, for an interesting and influential guest. That was a, a perfect choice. And that was your idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you got it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. It was so good. Every once in a while, you know, <laughs> know. blind squirrel, finds a nut. Yeah. It was a good idea. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it for In the Weeds. Please leave us a rating and review. Only five star ratings. If you okay. have bad ratings, that's not going to help anybody, (laughs) Uh, but do, but please do leave a rating because it helps other people who might be looking for an interesting podcast find us. So yeah, please leave that rating and review and we will talk to you next time. See you next time.